body rocking is shortened. He is sleeping through the night. He does wake up a little bit here and there. And both kids are sleeping till 6, 630 in the morning, which for us is huge. Welcome to an all new episode of Off the Gram, the show where we bring you straight into the trenches with us to help you live your best life, channel your inner girl boss, and to navigate the ever-changing landscape of wellness and social media. Hey, ladies. Hey, Hey, gang. All right, Jamie here. So our guest today is one of my dearest friends, and watching her rise through her amazing career trajectory has been nothing short of incredible. Chloe Malas is an entertainment reporter for CNN, covering all things entertainment and Hollywood for the network across platforms. And most recently, I got to say, I watched her with literal friend tears in my eyes as she joined in the hosting duties for CNN's New Year's Eve show with Anderson Cooper and Andy Cohn. Big deal. So cool. Chloe's reporting ranges from breaking news and exclusive feature interviews to industry analyses of in-depth investigations, reaching every corner of entertainment at the intersection of culture. Most recently, she covered the coronavirus pandemic through an entertainment lens, following its impact on Hollywood, as well as interviewing celebrities who were speaking out and giving back, including Naomi Watts, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Swiss Beats, Queen Latifah, and many more. At CNN, Malas has also covered the Me Too era extensively. In 2020, she covered the Weinstein criminal trial in New York and also covered the death of NBA legend Kobe Bryant. Chloe created and hosted a television series for CNN's HLN Side Hustle Success, which featured women who turned their hobbies into multi-million dollar businesses. She has also become outspoken about infertility, using her platform to share her own family's journey with IVF and her efforts to raise awareness for other families on their own journeys. So Heidi here, that brings us to mamahood and the topic we brought Chloe on to speak about today. Chloe lives in New York with her hubby and two little boys and is about as busy as a mama can be. Her adorable kiddos are two and a half and four and a half. But the problem is they haven't ever slept through the night, except for a few months when they were infants. This has been causing extreme sleep deprivation for Chloe and her husband. Chloe found that the lack of sleep was affecting every aspect of her life, her mood, weight, and marriage. For these reasons, Chloe set out on a quest with CNN Wellness to help get to the bottom of this and to help her own family get more sleep. So listen to today's show if... You are tired of your kids messing with your sleep mojo, but you don't really know what to do about it. If you know sleep wellness is a thing, said with air quotes, but you just can't figure out how to structure it into your own life. Or if you would like some tips on that elusive working mama word, balance. All right, guys, Jamie here. So Chloe, welcome. We're so glad to have you here. And in the intro, we were setting up your story and your problem. And I just, I feel you, girl. You know, here you are in like the most exciting time of your life. You've got the job, you've got the family and the kiddos, but no sleep, which is crushing. Can you just tell us a little bit about your story here? Well, I'm so tired (laughs) and I do have some good news of what I've been working on over the last few months with an expert out of Northwestern. But yeah, I have two little boys, Leo and Luke, they're ages four and a half and two and a half. Got to keep that half in there or my four-year-old will kill me. And I just, you know, I did everything I thought I was supposed to do. I read 12 hours by 12 weeks. I read all the books and, you know, with my second child, I did the snoo. 
we, you know, got rid of pacifiers, put our kids in their cribs with their little, you know, night zip up things and all the stuff with the red lights and the sound machines and the blackout curtains and bedtime at a certain time. And we've always had a lot of routine in our life. And if you know anything about my husband, my husband is super into health and wellness. And we're both on the same page, just about creating like a structure for our kids. So it's been really discouraging over the last several years that, you know, for the pretty much the entirety of my child's four and a half year life, Leo, there's never been a night where he has slept through the night, whether he comes in our room, whether I'm sleeping on the floor, whether he wets the bed, even with multiple pull-ups on, he's scared. He wants to co-sleep with us. Somebody's always sick and coughing. I mean, the list goes on and on. That's bananas. And this is Heidi speaking. And hi, hi. I, I have a four-year-old. He just turned four and I also have six and a half-year-olds to go with your half. They're twins. So I've been psycho because I had twins first about routines from the get-go because I knew that like I wouldn't sleep one moment. So I feel you on routines and I, gosh, all of us, we're all moms. So we totally get it is what I'm trying to say. But I know that a lot of data came from the work that you did on this journey into family sleep wellness for CNN. And we all read your article that sleep challenges are really the most common in families and that in fact, an estimated 25 to 50% of preschool children do not sleep enough, according to the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. That's bananas. So can you talk to us, please, about why this might be happening and what kind of problems can cause lack of sleep in children? And also just to frame it, how many hours should a young child get? So Heidi, none of us are getting enough sleep. And, you know, to me, when I say these numbers, I mean, even to get a fraction of these consistent with uninterrupted sleep would be heaven. So the National Sleep Foundation recommends that children ages three to five years old sleep 10 to 13 hours per day. Okay, so I'm assuming that includes naps. Children ages six to 13 years old need nine to 11 hours of sleep per night. And when it comes to us, grownups, we need seven to nine hours of sleep. So to put it into perspective, my husband, Brian, and I, we get like a couple hours, like three hours before somebody wakes up, then you're up and then you're back down for a little bit. And then either that same child's up or a different child is up. And with Luke, our two and a half year old, he has been somebody who body rocks before he goes to bed. He like bangs his head on his crib, which sounds insane, but it's just our reality. It's like a self-soothing mechanism for him. So it doesn't hurt him or anything like that, but he is like lightly banging his head on his crib and it sounds crazier. <laughs> I mean, if you're in my house, you'd be like, what is that? That's insane. Um, so- Kids do the darndest things. <laughs> so... So yes, it reminds me like when I would have people over in our 20s, my husband and I, we had a loft in Chelsea in Manhattan and we have two cats. We had a massive vaulted ceilings and our cats would somehow get up there and walk these beams and people would come over and they'd be like, why are your cats on the ceiling? And we're like, oh, that's just normal, right? Like that's not normal. So, you know, our you know, your reality is your reality. So basically 
our two and a half year old, he's had trouble going to sleep and then he doesn't sleep for very long. So he's crying and we're in there and trying to figure out what it is. Is he hungry? Try to put him back to bed, give him his pacifier, this, that, and the other. And then ultimately they both wake up. We're waking up at 4.30 in the morning, 5 a.m. Like wide awake, want their iPads, want to watch TV with mom and dad, want their bottles of milk and that's it, you know? And you would think that they would then crash by like 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. And they didn't. Obviously, our two-year-old still takes a nap in the afternoon. He's taking a nap right now. So, yeah, it's just been a wild roller coaster. But what's the why of it? Like, what are we thinking? Like, is it overstimulation? Is it because of the iPads? I mean, do the same things that apply to us as grownups that are interfering with our sleep apply to children? Exactly. Well, it has been quite the fishing expedition to try to figure it out. A lot of blame I have felt, a lot of sadness and despair because if the kids are sleeping better, it's better for them and it's better for mom and dad. Not sleeping, just a side note, it's made me depressed. It's affected my weight. It's affected my marriage. I can't operate like this. And then you couple that with working from home and a pandemic and a busy life and just the crap that life throws at you in general, you need sleep. And every morning I wake up dreaming of a nap in the afternoon, but I obviously, I never take that nap, rarely. Well, what we figured out are a couple things. And I had done the red lights, you know, like red night Mm -hmm. lights, the sound machines, the melatonin. I've even gone so far as to give... Leo Benadryl before, which sounds crazy, but I remember my mother giving me a spoonful of something growing up. It was great. Blackberry brandy. Yeah. Yeah. It was whiskey. Yep. My mom would dip my pat. I love you, mom. You don't listen to the show, I don't think, because you don't know how to to download a podcast, but she would put our pacifiers in blackberry brandy. I kid you not. It's probably why I'm so awesome. (laughs) It's because I was raised on a blackberry brandy pacifier. My grandparents used to soak something in whiskey for a toothache, like when I was getting a new tooth. Yeah. I remember, I think my grandfather told me to like take a shot of bourbon or whiskey when I had a sore throat once. So, and I was like 12. So I don't know if I actually did that. But so what we figured out is that for Leo, it really was a reward system for him. It sounds messed up. And I, at first I was like, Dr. Weissbluth, I do not want to turn my kids more spoiled than they already are. But ultimately that's what we did. And now over two months later, my son, he doesn't get a reward every day. But what is this reward system? It's called sleep rules. At first, I said they sound too easy. Wait, can I pause you too? Because I need to know more about this magical sleep doctor. So who is Dr. Mark Weisbluth and what is he teaching you? So when I was talking to CNN Wellness about my problem, they said, we have just the guy for you. Don't worry. You don't have to find somebody. We have someone. And his name is Dr. Mark Weisbluth. He is a sleep guru, a specialist based out of Northwestern University. And he specializes in sleep pediatrics. And he's written several best-selling books. Rumor has it that he was also the pediatrician for Stephen Colbert's children. I haven't confirmed that. But he told me, look, you're obviously doing something wrong, or maybe it's just bad luck, but chances are it's something that maybe you've done in your environment that you didn't realize that you've created bad behavior somehow, even though you think you're doing everything right. And I want to help you try the sleep rules for your son, Leo, your four-year-old. He said, get a poster board or a piece of paper, write down with your son, get in bed, close your eyes, be quiet and try to sleep. And I said, yeah, right. That's never going to work. Are you kidding me? And he said, well, tell your son that if he sleeps through the night, he'll get a present in the morning, whether it's a small toy, piece of candy, 
or a reward. If he wakes up in the middle of the night and comes in your room, that reward is going to be like curtailed or some sort of a restriction or something that he loves will be taken away the next morning and to return him silently. Don't talk to him. Don't try to engage with him and get him to go back to bed quietly and remind him of the sleep rules. What if they cry? Well, so I have to tell you the first night, he woke up a little bit the first few nights, but it's worked. It's worked. I am exhausted of ordering toys on Amazon now and things going to Target and like not having a surprise for him. But actually, it's turned into us not giving a surprise always first thing in the morning. Sometimes it's later in the afternoon, or maybe it's not today, or maybe it's the end of the week. Now we've incorporated chores into his life. And so now he's like getting a little bit of money at the end of the week to buy himself his own toy. But all I'm saying though, is that the sleep rules did work. This reward system did work for my four-year-old. And this is a physical chart. So like it's tangible, like you got out poster board, you wrote down these four rules and it's like, I mean, is it enough to earn a sticker? You know, it's like you have this big chart and it's a smiley face sticker or it's a like when they're, you know, at that age is a sticker enough of a wart or do you have to hit up Amazon? I think it depends on your child. My children are exceptionally spoiled. They have (laughs) iPads. My son now has a Nintendo. I mean, we're talking, you know, he wants more than a Hershey kiss in the morning, but it could be a bag of Skittles later in the afternoon that he gets some of. It could be like a small matchbox car from CVS that I'll go and buy for a couple dollars. It's not like a transformer toy, but you know, in the beginning, the rewards were a little cooler, a little sweeter to show them that like, hey, you wake up. Yeah, you're going to get that cool minion toy or that awesome car in the morning. But again, like the doctor said what happened because he is an expert. After all, my son started to kind of forget and I would delay the reward. And when we were in Florida last week, we didn't have rewards at all. And he slept through the night great. So, you know, I think that after you do it for a while, the children kind of forget. And then it just becomes a rhythm. Now he has nightlights in his room. We put another nightlight in his room and he does wake up occasionally. He woke up last night. He peed the bed a little bit. His leak through his diaper, (laughs) but he went right back to bed. So he's like grown up exponentially throughout this process. The harder thing has been our little one, our toddler. That's been so hard. So let's talk about the little guy, because I have like basically the same age kids as you. Well, so does Heidi. Look, I need some tips probably myself, because as I think you know, Chloe, like George is better at being strict than I am. Like I'm the softy, I'm the pushover, I'm the soft mama, place to fall person in our house. I'm pretty good about sleep. Like when they come in, I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, like there's no, you know, however, when it comes to everything else, the iPad, the whatever, I tend to give in because I just don't want the fight. So what I'm hearing you say is these are great policies to have across your household that you can probably institute for anything. And I like the idea of them being rewards-based. So what do you do for a two and a half year old or a two-year-old who doesn't really understand as much as the older child? Luke does not. So when Leo was two and a half, Leo, you could have full on conversations with him. I bet you Leo at two and a half would have somewhat understood the sleep rules. Luke is an entirely different child and we still have some trouble understanding what he's saying, although he's so smart and adorable and the sweetest. Sleep rules will not work with him. But what he did need was more structure and routine around bedtime. So what we were doing is around, let's say, 7, 7.30 at night after us watching like a TV show together and the kids having their bottles and playing together, we would take Lukey up to his room 
And we would just tell him it's nine, nine time, turn on the sound machine and put him in his crib with his blanket and his little stuffies and close the door. And he would cry and he would cry for like 30, 45 minutes, banging his head on the crib, pass out, right? And then probably wake up around one or two in the morning. And then it was rocky till about 4.35 a.m. What Dr. Weisbluth said was move the bedtime up about 30 minutes to an hour earlier. There's a happy medium there, but let's try an hour on some days. Let's try half an hour on some days. So we had to experiment a little bit. Have dad read him a couple of books and have more structure with the books around bedtime. Let him turn his sound machine on. Let him turn his light off. This whole kind of environment. Now, you might be wondering, why were we not reading books to Lukey before bed? Because I have read a 100 books to Leo ever since he came out of the womb. At about you know, eight, nine, 10 months old, Lukey just had no interest. He would close the book, push it off of me, never wanted to sit in my lap for a book. And after about one years old, we stopped forcing him to sit and read a book. He just wanted to like play with his toys. So I would be reading a book and he wouldn't even be paying attention at all. Like literally not paying attention, playing with his toys. So we were just like, okay, maybe he's just a different kid. Let's just put him in his bed. But daddy is like the go-to in our house. Everybody loves daddy. So Lukey loves doing bedtime with daddy and it works. His body rocking is like 15 minutes, sometimes 10 minutes at night before bed. So it's greatly reduced. And he is sleeping through the night pretty much. Maybe you'll hear him cry just a little bit, but he's sleeping through the night. I'm curious too, I'm a fellow journalist and I've done some sleep research. And and one of the things that I always found very interesting was that reading is an activity that should be done outside of the bedroom. In other words, you're telling yourself, you're telling your children, you're telling your body, your room is where we sleep. So if there's going to be reading, you establish that in an outside location. So there's the reading chair. Like we have this big, cozy reading chair. And in an ideal world, that's where we do our reading. I don't allow my husband to read in bed because the bed is for sleeping insects. That is what the bed is for. You know, I've done some research into that. Have Dr. Weissbluth said anything to that effect, like taking the reading outside of the bedroom? So interesting because I am definitely guilty of bringing my laptop into the bed at night night while I'm watching TV with my hubs next to me, like glued to his phone. So yeah, we need to make it like a sex bed again. Definitely. (laughs) So I'll be calling you, Megan. But no, he didn't say anything about that. But we're reading to him in his chair in his room. Baby steps for now. For now, it's working, but that's really interesting. I don't know if the same correlation is for children. That's a question they definitely will ask him and get back to you on. But the main thing is, is that the body rocking is shortened. He is sleeping through the night. He does wake up a little bit here and there. And both kids are sleeping till 6, 6.30 in the morning, which for us is huge. 4.30 a.m. versus 6, 6.30 a.m. My husband and I are happier. We're excited to go to bed. But also, here's the thing. Like when you have a newborn in your life, they tell you sleep when the baby sleeps and nobody does that because like you're have so much adrenaline coursing through your veins. Like you can't and you're like so stressed. Like is my baby breathing? (laughs) I can't sleep right now. But we go to bed so early now, like insane. We get in bed. I mean, by the time bedtime routine is over for both kids, I'm wiped. So I get in bed by like eight o'clock and I might watch half a show. I am asleep by nine 
I love it. Sign me up every night. So, you know, if we can sleep from nine to like 5 a.m., that's amazing. Like, that's so great. And this is happening. This is really happening. It's not perfect, but things are moving forward. But I can also just kind of explain to you guys, too, what are the things that parents are doing wrong? Let's hear it. (laughs) So Dr. Weissbluth says that one of the things that parents are doing wrong is Some parents believe that by pushing the bedtime back later, and I have friends that do this, making your kids more tired, more exhausted will mean that they're so tired, they'll hit the hay and they'll sleep through the night and then they'll sleep late. Turns out once your child is that tired, you've missed this window to put them to bed and for them to hit some sort of like level of sleep. And so actually, if you can put your kid to bed earlier before you see those tired signs, it's like putting your baby down for a nap, you're supposed to like put them down right before they start yawning and give you those signs. It's the same thing with children. So actually by moving our children's bedtime to 6.30, which sounds insane, I know, but moving it to 6.30 has actually made them sleep later. And that the witching hour, that hour where like children are supposedly bad before bed because they're just so cranky and tired by the end of the day, he says, Dr. Weissbluth, that that's not good. That's not normal to have a witching hour. It's because you're so tired from constant sleep deprivation that you really, your child should be the same in the evening as they are in the morning, which I thought was really interesting to learn, you know? Yeah, totally. Very interesting. And I have heard that about kids before. So my kids, we do start bedtime at 630 every night and seven, they're in bed. And that's just something I've always been really regimented about. But so. I love hearing what you're saying about kids and Megan touched on this and you, I was curious that you said you have a TV in your rooms because I want to also talk about grown-up sleep hygiene. So I'm a yoga teacher. I've been a teacher and a wellness expert for more than one decade at this point. Oh my God, which is like crazy in like multiple decades. But I have yet to come across a student or a client who's satisfied with their sleep or their overall wellness. So it's not like a, a mom problem or this pro- or a parent problem. It seems to be a, like I've had thousands of students over the decades, you know, not just like one or two and they are all walks of life. So we know how closely like health and wellness and sleep are correlated and you have to have some favorite wellness tips for grownups that contribute to better sleep, right? Not just children. Well, I have not great news for you there. So oh. <laughs> bummer. when it comes to me, Chloe, I am blessed with the ability to fall asleep anywhere, anytime. And if my kids wake me up, I can go right back to bed. That is such an enviable trait. I know. I don't have many enviable traits, but that is one of them. (laughs) And if I have insomnia or something, then my anxiety must be really bad in that moment. But no, I'm a great sleeper. My husband is the worst sleeper on the planet. He's a hot sleeper. So I bought him something called the chili pad for Christmas to help cool the mattress. He hated it. So we ended up sending it back. Now we're trying something called eight sleep, which he I did that. He's obsessed. What is it? What does eight sleep mean? It's a company that specializes, I don't know too much, but it's like a whole like cooling system. And it also basically like a whoop or Fitbit that you would wear on your arm. It tracks your sleep with stuff in the mattress. I almost said crib, but in the mattress, it like tells you how many times you woke up. Oh, it's the actual bed. Yeah, that is the sleep technology. Got it. Okay. They call it a pod, but it's a mattress with technology. Exactly. It's super cool. So he's trying that now. And my husband's one of those people that like, once he's up, he's up. 
which is wild. So like if he's up at three, he's up. I mean, that's so wild to me. But then again, he's out running 20 miles at 4am. <laughs> you know, like I'm not. So I think though, yes, what we should be doing, it's like, you want to lose weight, but you already know what you're supposed to be doing. It's like stop eating a pint of Hagen dazs every single night while you're watching 1883, or this is us. I think that we need to have cooler temperature, darker room, no TV, no phones. We are going to bed earlier. My husband's really into CBD right now. So he's trying a bunch of different things. I actually recently started taking something called Beam. Just a few days ago, I started taking these CBD capsules at night and I really like them. But again, I don't really need help falling asleep. I'm just kind of trying them for fun. And then Jacob Zemer, who's a celebrity nutritionist and trainer that both my husband and I love and work with, He's a huge proponent of taking a very warm, hot shower before bed, having your room very, very cold, you know, no devices, no TV right before bed. And, and also not drinking a lot of water. Are you drying your hair? No. So actually my hair is sweaty right now because I actually just did the Peloton. So I'm trying to do like new year, new you kind of a thing. No, I meant after the hot shower before you go in the cool room. I know. I don't know. I let my hair dry in bed. I, I'm that person. I think it's so funny, Heidi, that you asked that because I've heard this tip many times and I always hear it from male sleep experts that are yeah. like, take a hot shower because then your core body temperature drops yeah. and you're cooler. And I'm like, do you have any idea what it takes for a woman post shower to get your life together? Like it's hours of work. So I think that might work better for men, but that's just anecdotally. <laughs> and also monitoring your caffeine because people don't realize the caffeine cutoff should be maybe 3 PM, depending on what time you're going to bed. And you know, people who think you can have like a diet Coke at four or five o'clock. Well, that's absolutely derailing your sleep. Well, I mean, you're talking though to like the wine o'clock mom over here. Uh. Right? <laughs> is it five o'clock? Oh my God. Is it bad that I'm having wine again for the 70th <laughs> night in a row? Oh, what wine do we have tonight? Oh my God. It's all gone. Like, <laughs> drank it? I said to my husband last night, he's like, you, oh my God. Like, how did you go through that half case we bought at Christmas time? I'm like, I don't know. I just love red wine. But again, like, my psychiatrist would say that's not good to have a glass of wine to take the edge off, but I have been known. It definitely to affects your sleep. I have a stressful job, okay? I need right. a glass of wine. <laughs> so I have, my kids are now 11, 9, and 8, and I just want to be a beacon of hope for all of you because my kids sleep through the night and they sleep until they wake them up, which means like I can go to the gym and then have to actually open windows, turn on lights to get them to wake up at 730. You know, that could be nine or 10 on a weekend. So there's hope and it does happen. So before we let you go, I like to be nosy because I'm nosy and you've had an incredible career. I think you were a longtime reporter first at Hollywood Life and now at CNN. And I feel like you've got to have some stories. Like, can you just dish on like a crazy celebrity interview or some like fun behind the scenes? Oh my gosh. Well, okay. <laughs> a couple come to mind, some like wild moments and some not so wild moments. A cool moment was when I was on the red carpet and I was pregnant with Leo and Oprah Winfrey, I got to interview her and I was so excited and she touched my baby bump. Jamie knows this photo, I think. And then she 
asked me if I wanted to take a picture with her. Oprah is one of those people where she knows the power of being Oprah and she knows that it is a big deal to take a picture with her. So she asked me if I wanted to take a picture with her. And I was like, yeah, of course. (laughs) That's amazing. So I have that photo. I did some Me Too reporting. And I'll never forget, I had the ability to interview Harvey Weinstein right before his criminal trial started. But it was kind of like this weird meeting. And in New York, it's a one-party consent state. So I actually went to this law office where he was, and he was in this conference room. Nobody had like talked to him, interviewed him. I knew the New York Times was trying to get an interview with him. And I had a tape recorder going in my purse. The entire time I bought it across the street at like CVS right before. And I had it going the entire time just so that everything that happened would be recorded so that I had it to go back and listen to. I wasn't going to be like typing out his quotes or using them or anything, but I just wanted everything that happened to be recorded in case something weird happened. Not like that, but I just mean just for my own integrity, you know, to make sure that I don't walk away from that. And he says, I said something that I didn't say. And he asked me at one point if I was recording and I told him no. And I was so scared the whole time that their tape recorder was going to beep or go off. I've never been so stressed out in my entire life. That was so crazy. And then most recently I've been covering the Britney Spears conservatorship. I was back and forth to LA at the end of this past year, covering all of her hearings. I was there the day that her 13 year conservatorship ended in the courtroom And I got to know the Free Britney movement really well. And it's been a wild, exciting ride. And to be able to, you know, report on an icon and this crazy story and this awful thing that happened to her for 13 years, that was really exciting. And also just, I just love getting to interview different celebrities and talk to different people. I've had so many awesome conversations in the pandemic with like, I just interviewed Tom Holland and Zendaya the other day about Spider-Man. I was interviewing Serena Williams last year and Lenny Kravitz all from right here in this chair with this laptop at home because of the pandemic. So that's been surreal to be able to do that. It's nice because like that weirdness of celebrities coming into the office with an entourage doesn't exist anymore because it's just them logging on from their living room. So it's been really cool. I wish I had better crazy stories for you. I'm sure as soon as we hang up, I'm going to remember something wild, but yeah, I love my job and it's fun, you know, and Jamie gets it. She's the daughter of, you know, the ultimate badass female journalist, you know, so she totally understands. You know what? And people always ask her to the same question, like, what's the craziest interview you've ever done? And like, similarly, you know, because Chloe, I know you interview so many celebrities. It's almost hard to pinpoint one because she had so many incredible conversations with dynamic people. She always does call out one in particular, though, which was when Robin Williams, halfway through the interview, just decided to get up and leave live on national. It was like live on Good Morning America. And she was just sitting there and it's like, ah, the power of national television. Like, what do you do? I guess. You just, but you know what, Chloe? Actually, that's to, to that end. You were hosting. What was the concert with, that you were hosting with Anderson, where you just had to literally, basically, ad lib for like two hours? That was. I just got to give you kudos for that before we four, let you go. It was like four hours. I had never met Anderson Cooper before, and I was sitting on set with him covering the Welcome Back New York City concert in August, and it was all of these different people, like Bruce Springsteen and Patti Smith and the New York Philharmonic performing in Central Park. Clive Davis put it on with the. Man- 
mayor. And it was this big thing. And CNN had the sponsorship for it and the rights for it. And it was a whole thing where we were going to air it from start to finish. And I was just there to talk if any acts were going to be late to stage. And Anderson would be talking to different people on the ground, different reporters. And I just happened to be the one reporter that was on set with him. And they weren't expecting to come to me maybe maybe just one time. That was it. And it was before the concert. I did one teeny tiny little like 30 second hit with him. And that was it. Two hours into the concert, we get told that the concert's being canceled because of this like terrible like hurricane storm weather that was coming in. And they wouldn't officially cancel the concert. The mayor and Clive Davis were trying to find a way to let the storm pass. And so the executive producers asked Anderson and I if we would tap dance, like metaphorically tap dance. And they came to us and the camera never left. We maybe took like three commercial breaks, quick ones. And we were on air live for four hours together, just talking. And celebrities were calling in Stephen Colbert. We had the killers perform on their cell phone. Gail King was calling in and chatting with us. I asked French Month. They were like, do you know any celebrities? I'm like, not actually that you would know of, believe it or not. They're like, who can you get to call in? I'm like, well, French Montana was just on stage with LL Cool J. I'll ask him. And French Montana called in. I was like, yeah, my days from Hollywood life paid off. Um, <laughs> and all of these different people were calling in and we're just As I Google there. French Montana, that's <laughs> how cool I am, Chloe. But then Barry Manilow called in. And oh, he, I know who that is. <laughs> he was like singing to us. And it was just like wonderful bonding moment. And Anderson is just as lovely as you would think that he is. And he's so kind and he was really, really sweet to me. But it was one of those moments that I didn't realize what happened exactly. And, um, you know, I wouldn't say my career or anything has changed from that, but I think that it put me in a different light for some people realizing like, Hey, like she could do a little more than we thought that she could. And I was like, yeah, I told you I won't embarrass you guys. And then <laughs> That's why I think that I was asked to help out on the CNN New Year's Eve special this year. They put me in Times Square and I got to do a couple live interviews. And then at the very end, I got to take the platform with Andy Cohen and Anderson Cooper and Richard Quest. And that was really cool. And I got to take a shot with them. And how many shots deep were they? Uh, oh, I think. Do you like, mean a shot as in a picture or a shot of alcohol? Alcohol. Mom. Oh, see, yeah. I'm, my husband, this is what he calls, I'm like an old lady. <laughs> no, I had a shot of tequila. I had it. It was real. What? It really was real. I don't know how many shots deep they were, but it is real tequila. They're not joking. And I really needed it because, hey, <laughs> I'm home with these two crazy kids. So I needed a <laughs> shot. It was really fun. It was a bucket list moment. I was sleeping by then, but good for you. <laughs> I was always sleeping by the time the ball dropped. So this was my first time. So, Well, that was a good full circle moment to go all the way back to sleep. I love that. Before we let you go, we have one last segment that is called Karmical. I always make Megan say it because she says it the best, but I am the resident yogi. So I will explain that karma is a Sanskrit word for action. So we ask all of our amazing guests, what is one small actionable item that could yield a giant result if they tried it for like a week or two? So drinking water every morning or something for sleep. Okay. So this is something that I've fallen into that I touched on earlier. I think that it would be cool if listeners out there that are having trouble sleeping tried pushing their own bedtimes up by half an hour to an hour earlier. If you're somebody that's usually in bed by 10, watching TV and asleep by 11, 1130, why not be crazy, get in bed by eight, 
watch some shows and try to lights out by 10 and see how you feel the next morning. I can tell you that going to bed earlier and having more sleep makes me feel so much better. Sage advice. And this is from somebody who, before you logged on, Chloe, I was telling the girls that I was literally on like the verge of tears. I was so tired. And I was literally like acting like my two-year-old son where he just starts crying when he's tired. I'm like, I'm there. So I think all of us grownups can just take a page out of sleep rituals, the playbook that we try to institute for our kids. We need it. We need rules. We need boundaries. And I really appreciate you giving them to us. So thank you enough for sharing this whole incredible journey with us. I hope you get some sleep, girl. We are rooting for you. Where can our listeners find you on the gram if they want to follow along on your life and your journey? You guys are so sweet. Thank you for having me. You guys can follow me on Instagram. It's where I am the most at Chloe Malops. And then, you know, I'm on Twitter and I always check my DMs on both and respond to everybody. Love it, love it, love it. Well, thank you, girl. Good luck and sleep well. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much to Chloe for joining us today. I know we all got a lot out of that. And thank you, everybody at home, for listening along. Don't forget to subscribe to this show so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to follow us on the gram at Off the Gram Podcast. We'll see you next time.